Morning, family. All right, as soon as I heard that BJ was making jambalaya, I had this song stuck in my head. And yet, you know the tune. It's like, I love that jambalaya deep down in my gut. If you've not eaten any of that jambalaya, listen, there's a reason why people have body styles the way they do. And jambalaya is the reason for that. Uh, and he has converted me to that lifestyle. You know, so I'd encourage you to be prayerfully considering what your donation amount will be. Seafers, this is a worthy cause that C4C is going to be engaging in. Uh, we hear great things about it. Um, and it was nice that Hunter did say that these will go to getting the college students back. I, I just made that assumption. Uh, but maybe that wasn't a safe assumption. It's good to see all of you this morning. If you're visiting with us, we encourage you to fill out one of those cards that's on the back of the pew in front of you so we have a record of your attendance. Want to remind everybody in the back, there's still some sign-up sheets. We've got a little bit of time left, a couple more weeks, to get sign up for the life group, sign up for Everybody Can Sing. Those deadlines are fast approaching. 26th is the deadline for those sign-ups. Want to remind everybody that tonight is out of the box. And I have been scolded about passed out of the boxes. Apparently, I'm using the wrong bubble gum for, for different lessons. I have corrected at least one of them. The other guy's not here to, for me to give him some double bubble. Apparently, you don't use hubba bubba to blow bubbles. But out of the box is one of those evenings where we get the kids together up front. We spend some time in the Word. They learn some stuff. We learn some stuff as they help us understand some biblical truths uh, in that way. So I want to encourage you, if you've got young kids, young families, be here tonight for that. And the last announcement I've got before we get into our message from uh, First Peter this morning, Brian Leger, where's he at? There he is. Okay. You guys know how hard Brian works. He's our deacon in charge of missionaries, and he, along with our other deacons and coordinators, do a lot for everything that is going on here at Boulevard. And if you haven't had a chance to talk with them and thank them for their work, I encourage you to do so. But Brian heads up the missionaries, who we support yeah, throughout the course of the year. And next Sunday is really a special day. We're going to have a man by the name of Paul Powers come in. He's going to present our Bible class. He's going to present our lesson. He is a missionary to Thailand. Uh, we've known Paul for 10 years, uh, 10 or 12 years, something like that. Uh, Brian's been in conversation with Paul and he's asked Paul to come in and present to us the work that's going on in Thailand. And what Brian is asking is that during our Bible class period on Sunday morning, that everyone be in the auditorium for that presentation from Paul. Yeah, that we'll just have the entire congregation in here for Bible class during that time period. And then Paul will present the lesson for us during the worship time. So I want to encourage you, mark your calendars, be here for it. There's exciting things that are happening all over the world, and Boulevard is just one small part of that. Yeah, and so that's a blessing as we get into this. We find ourselves in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to finish off chapter 2 this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn over there in your Bibles. And just real quick, reminder of what we talked about last week is that evangelism isn't a fancy-schmancy program that's run by churches, that we talked about... Yeah, that's an activity that as each of us as individuals, we all engage in, that we don't really get an option on what we're supposed to be doing, but, or the, whether or not we want to engage in that, that's what God has called us to be, and that we talked about our behavior, and that by our behavior, as people observe our behavior, 
they're going to see that we serve the one true living God. That's, that's the whole purpose of why God has called us out of darkness and into light. We're able to present that message in words and deeds and activities that we serve the one true God. That's who has called us, and we owe our lives to him. And we're excited to live that way. It's not drudgery for us, right? You ever met a Christian that looked like he was weaned on a pickle? You know what I'm talking about, right? Just look like they've just been, they're just a sourpuss about everything. They just, mm, I'm a Christian if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. That there's a joy that, is, that we embrace as God's people because of, that, because of what God has done for us through Jesus. We have the greatest reason to be a joyful people. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we're singing skippity doo We're running down the yellow brick road 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That this is a state of mind and it guides our behaviors. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We still live the joyful life. And so that was what we had talked about last week. This week, we continue the ideas that were presented with just another understanding and appreciation of how much observation plays a huge part into what Peter is writing about here, okay? He said in verse 12 from our text last week that as they observed them, right, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation, this is the key idea that he's going to be presenting to us for the rest of his letter, okay? That we don't get to act as secret agents. Everything we're doing is done out in the open, and we're going to be seen as we're doing those things. He's going to talk about it in chapter 3 quite a bit, especially at the beginning section, which we'll deal with, Lord willing, next week about wives and husbands, and how they're supposed to be behaving as God's people through all of this. I mean, one of the things that I, I love about Peter's instruction here, okay, is this. He's giving us God's big picture view. He's going to break it down into different segments, authorities, wives, husbands, slaves, all of that. But never once through all of this instruction does Peter say, by the way, guys, God expects you to do this. And he's expecting you to figure out exactly how you're supposed to do it all on your own. This is what's great about serving God. He never asks us to do something that he hasn't already shown us how to do. do we, have we figured that out yet as God's people? He's always showing us how we're supposed to be behaving. So join with me as we look at 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to read verses 21 through 25 together. He says... For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, excuse me, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed, for you were continually strained like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. If you do not have verse 29 underlined in your Bible, do so now, please, because this is where everything comes back to in this little simple set of instructions, All right? He says, you have been called for this purpose, and Christ is the example you will follow in his footsteps. 
You're going to follow him. This idea of example literally means a writing to be copied. Okay, how many of us remember using these types of exercises with our children when they were learning to write? What were they doing to the dotted letters? They were tracing over them, right? It was all about tracing. And and when did you know your child had it figured out? When it didn't look like chicken scratch all over the paper, right? You're like, man, you really have that T down perfectly, child. But can you work on your G a little bit more? Fine motor control is vital to actually writing so people can understand what you're saying. Unless you're raising a doctor and then you just don't even use these. But this is the idea Peter is presenting to us. He says, Jesus is the example, literally telling us he's the one you're tracing. He's the one you're copying, okay? He's the one that is guiding all of your thoughts, all of your behaviors. He's the template for this. And it's an active template. It's not a passive one. This is where it requires us to be a part of all of this. Um, and think of it this way. Albert Bandura, he's a psychologist, and I don't usually get into a bunch of psychobabble stuff. I don't buy into most of it. But he's a psychologist, and he is the originator. I'll put that in quotes. He's the originator of the social learning theory. Now, check out what he says, because there's some truth in here. He says that learning is a process that takes place in a social context and, occur, and can occur purely through observation. For instance, you guys are all very quiet, except a few babies. Nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand what I'm talking about here, okay? Why are our teenagers quiet right now? Well, A, because their parents told them, you better keep your mouth shut or I'm going to smack you upside the head. But where did they learn the quiet behavior from? But by observation over years. And they learn what's expected, not even necessarily only by what their parents are teaching them, but in the social context, they're learning what is acceptable behavior during that particular moment in time. We all have, fought, have learned this way. Everybody has, okay? Uh, you know that there's certain things that are acceptable in certain social contexts and certain things that aren't acceptable in other social contexts. And so he'll continue, and he says that the model, that these models are important are an important source for learning new behaviors. How many of us ever made faces at our kids, especially the babies? You know what I'm talking about. Nick, we're not talking about what you regularly look like. (laughs) But you remember holding them babies and going, and what would the child try to do? Mimic you. They would try to mimic your behaviors. And for us older parents whose children are grown, how many of us have seen and witnessed actual physical behaviors from our children, and you look at them and go, I wonder where they learned that, and your wife goes, I wonder too. They pick it up. They do it. And this mimicking behavior is another way for achieving behavioral change, okay? In all of it, though, is the one who is learning being passive, or is it an active behavior? They're actively engaging in learning those behaviors. And that's what Peter is talking about. Go back to the text, right? Peter tells us, look at Jesus, okay? 
Just look at him. Watch him. Observe him. Look at his life. Look at his behaviors. Learn from him. And then you take that behavior on yourself, right? Which, by the way, was what we actually saw in Luke chapter 19 with the story of Zacchaeus, that wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree, the Savior for to see. Was Zacchaeus a deceiver? Was Zacchaeus defrauding people prior to him coming to see and know Jesus? Yeah, I would say he was. You know why? Because after Jesus is at his house, what does he say to Jesus? Master, hey, oh, half my possessions going to the poor right now. And, if, and we, we played this game too, right? And if I've defrauded anybody, I'm going to get them back. I'm making all of that right. Why did Zacchaeus determine that he had to change behavior? Because he looked and observed Jesus. And was Jesus doing those things? Was Jesus making sure that people were being taken care of? Did, was Jesus a deceiver? Well, no, we know that because Peter quotes from Isaiah 53 here. He says, no deceit was found in his mouth. So we don't have to worry about that. And he looked at his behavior, and Zacchaeus' behavior now becomes a mirror, a tracing of Jesus. That's what Peter is getting at here. It, it provided guidance. It provides purpose to Zacchaeus. And guess what, guys? It provides guidance and purpose for us in our Christianity so many people in this world are looking for guidance and looking for purpose, and we have it in our hands. We just have to observe the Christ, observe his life, observe his words, observe his behaviors, and start tracing. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? And like children, we will have, our lives will look like chicken scratch at times. Okay, that's okay because we're in the process of learning and changing behaviors. We go back to the original source and we, we, we take it away and we begin tracing some more and we begin doing these things. This is natural progression of maturity. And this natural progression of maturity only comes through a deep understanding of the freedom and joy of guiltlessness. that those sins have been removed, the source of guilt has been removed, and that's freedom. And that's the source of joy for us. And that's why we're able to get there and look at the pattern that Jesus is presenting. We're no longer sheep wandering all around aimlessly, bashing our head up against anything and everything that we come into contact with. We have found, what does Peter say? The shepherd and guardian of our souls. We have come to him for those things. So here's the model Peter is presenting to us, right? That Jesus, through his life, the giving, by the way, the giving of his life and the living of his life. We can't, I don't think we can separate those two. Christ shows us what he expects and how he expects his disciples to behave. John chapter 13 is a great example of this, okay? They're sitting down and they're eating a meal and he, I have, he gets up quietly Puts a towel around his waist. 
He washes all of his disciples' feet. There's some conversations with Peter during this time period, right? Which Peter, I don't think Peter understood what was going on at all in John 13. At all. He does now when he's writing about Jesus being the example. But he, I don't think he knew then. But look at what happens in John 13, starting in verse 12. When he, that's Jesus, had washed their feet, that's the disciples, and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I've done for you? Or done to you, depending on your translation. You know what I've done to you? And you can imagine those, the faces of the disciples going, well, yeah, he washed our feet. Is this a trick question, Jesus? And he says, you call me teacher and Lord. You're right, I am. So if I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Now, I'm going to pause real quick here for a second. Jesus never left his role as master and teacher by taking the lowliest position of servant when he washed their feet. All right? Even the disciples never thought that. In fact, they still call him master while all of that is going on. So that's the first thing. The second thing that's going on here, I'm not convinced personally that Jesus is saying we should all take our shoes off and let everybody wash our feet, literally. I think this is a service thing. It's a heart thing that Jesus is pointing us to here. All right? So he says, I left you this example so that you would do as I did to you. Truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who has sent him. If you know these things, pay attention. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. See, Jesus is pointing to the, the, the heart issue that is at play here. Who is the master in the relationship? Jesus is. Who is the teacher? Jesus is. Am I? No. Am I greater than the master? Am I, am I greater than the one who sent him? No. I understand where I fall in the grand scheme of the universe, okay? He came for me. Therefore, I, using him as an example, will be that same type of servant in everything that I do. That's the example that Jesus is presenting to us here. And, and again, like I say, I don't think Peter knew then. Definitely think Peter knows by the time he's writing 1 Peter chapter 2. I think he had figured all of that out. That the outcome of Jesus' life has brought us into the fold of God and into the care of the shepherd. Even, even if it meant that he would be despised, rejected, slandered, reviled, threatened, and suffer, he did that. Now here's where we come in with Christ as the model. We are also supposed to be models and examples. And something I think that is absolutely necessary if we're going to be an example and a model. Transparency. Guys, when you're tracing something, can you see the source material? 
Yeah, you can. You, and the reason that you have to be able to see the source material is so that you can follow the lines, so that you can be sure that you're actually bringing out a correct representation of what you are tracing. Do we recognize that people are supposed to know that we're tracing? They should see the source material. And even when they see us mess up in the tracing, they still see the source material. And they recognize what is actually going on. How many of us live perfectly? But how many of us pretend like we live perfectly? That does not present the gospel message of Jesus at all. Because if we are indeed perfect, why does Jesus have to die? And if we understand that none of us are perfect, why do we act like we are? People need to be able to see the source material through us, guys. And even in our mess-ups, we can praise God. And what is how to, remember what Paul says? That I can boast in Jesus because of my weakness. That's my purpose in this. And everybody understands that I'm not perfect and I mess up. And when I do, I got to keep it a secret so that nobody sees the source material at that point. The purpose of tracing is not to show how awesome you are. The purpose of tracing is to show how awesome the original piece is. So if we're trying to follow the example, but we're, but we're so thick that, that our paper is so thick that no one can see the source material, how can the unbeliever see the source material? We have to be transparent in our lives. Now I know that that's probably uncomfortable that you probably get a little bit sweaty when you start thinking about, oh man, people are actually gonna see that I'm not perfect and that I have to be transparent in all of this. But how many of us are ashamed with the statement that Jesus made in Zacchaeus' house? That the Son of Man came to seek and save that which is lost. I'm not. You know why I'm not ashamed of that? Because I was lost. I was in darkness. He called me out of it. He put me in this marvelous light. I'm not ashamed of that. But if people can't see the source material, while I might not be courageous enough to say that I'm ashamed of that statement, my behaviors are showing that I am. And they will also be observed. We've got to be better than that. That's the example that Jesus sets for us. When we receive forgiveness, when we receive life, when we receive healing in our lives, our behaviors change. And they're constantly changing to become more like the masters. And this benefit that we received while we embrace it and while we praise God for it because it was conferred to us, it wasn't just conferred to us, it was also conferred to every person on this planet Jesus was concerned for all the wandering sheep. That was his passion. 
That was the passion that directed his ultimate submission to God's eternal purpose. It's what put us in the position that we're in now. The question is, do we have the same passion? Are we, are we transparent in our lives? Do people see us following imperfectly at times? I'm, I'm way willing to admit that one. But even in my failure, do they see Jesus? Do they see who I'm trying to copy, who I'm tracing? Because that's what I believe Peter is actually getting at here in the text. And that foundational behavior becomes the springboard for everything else that he's about to talk about in this letter. Wives, having trouble in your relationship? Are you tracing Jesus? Husbands, having trouble in your relationship? Are you tracing Jesus? Having a hard time submitting to the authorities? Are you tracing Jesus? See how it all goes back? That's who God has purposed us to be, and he did it on purpose. We can be that, right? We can let people see who we're tracing because there's joy that's found in following the master. There's freedom that is there, and we've, we've achieved it. And so we can do that. But we have to let go of ego, and we have to let go of pride. And we can't be so thick, yes, pun intended, that no one sees the source material. So let's be transparent. Let's, let's just make the conviction to be, to be transparent from this point moving forward. And be God's people here today. We're going to stand and sing the song that Austin has selected for us. That baby is amazing. Let this be a time of encouragement for you. All of us have understood what it is like to fail following the example of Jesus. But we also, for those of us that have embraced the gospel and, and obeyed the gospel through confession and baptism, also understand that the grace is ready to be heaped upon us. We know we don't deserve it. That's why grace is grace, okay? But God is ready and willing to just heap that stuff out on us. But you know that we can hold him back from that, right? Let go of pride. Let go of ego. Get back in a right relationship if that's where you find yourself this morning. If you're not a Christian, take the first and best step of following Jesus. We go back to the source material on this one, guys. Our confession, our death, our burial in the waters of baptism and our resurrection out of that watery tomb is the beginnings tracings of what Jesus did for us. Make that confession. Become a child of God. Receive his spirit. That, uh, Chris had talked about some during the table talk this morning. Whatever we can do for you, the elders want to encourage you, and they want you to know they love you. They pray for you. They're here for you. Whether it's when you come forward as we stand and sing or in the back room afterward, they do not want you. I don't want you. We should not want you to continue carrying a burden that was lifted at the cross so that you can live free and joyfully. If we can help you in any way this morning, we encourage you to come. Make it known while we stand and sing.